listening to a podcast by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. This podcast is produced for people affected by a blood cancer. We will speak to experts about current topics such as treatments, diagnosis, and research. We will also hear personal stories from people affected by a blood cancer. Please note that this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. Welcome to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada's podcast on Hodgkin's lymphoma. This podcast is part of a series to inform people affected by a blood cancer by sharing personal stories of patients or survivors. My name is Sarah Khan and I'm the Community Engagement Manager for Ontario with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. Today I'm speaking with Tiffany Woodworth, a 32-year-old young adult Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor who I had the pleasure of meeting at a Wellspring Brampton support group. So Tiffany, thank you for joining us today and sharing your perspective. Um, Tell me a bit about yourself and your experience with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Hello, thank you for having me here. I was diagnosed when I was 28 years old. I'm always uh, considered a very positive person, very adventurous spirit. So I was living in New Zealand at the time on a working holiday and I just started feeling really sick um, and was diagnosed there and had to come home and go through treatment. And uh, I'm not in remission yet. I'm just about there. I'm in a stage called watch and wait, which some people have to go into. Um, but it's, it's an okay stage to be in. And I'm, I'm going to be in remission probably next year. That's fantastic. So what was the process like when you went through and you were diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, especially since you mentioned you were traveling, you were away? What was that like for you? Well, it was certainly very scary being so far from home when you're diagnosed because you just want the comfort of, you know, your your parents or your people that you know. Um, but it was a really quick process. They're very efficient in New Zealand with their doctors. So I was diagnosed there um, and then had to fly home for further diagnosis. Um, and uh, it was it was quite a quick process because my cancer was so aggressive. Um, but it was it was strange as well because when you have Hodgkin's lymphoma, the doctors kind of tell you how lucky you are to have Hodgkin's lymphoma because it has such a good cure rate and chemo's really quick, but lucky is not at all what you feel when you're diagnosed because regardless of what type it is, it's still cancer and it's still it's very scary. Um, but it was it was an okay process, and uh, my doctors were also really good because they brought up fertility treatment, which wasn't really something I had thought of yet. But my doctor kind of said, you know, if you want to, you have a little bit of time. You can try and preserve your eggs because sometimes chemo ruins your fertility abilities. Um, so that was a really nice thing that he brought up. Well, that's great that they were proactive in bringing that forth up front. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what else would you have liked to have known at that diagnosis step? Well, my doctors, like my whole team um, was very good. Um, I was treated at Brampton Civic Hospital and they were really fantastic because they do an orientation. Um, they go through the process. They give you a binder full of tons of information about diet and what to do and who to call for random issues. Because um, I know some people that I've talked to who went to other hospitals, even you know really well thought of Toronto hospitals, they didn't get as much information that I did. Um, but the one thing that 
I would love to have known, which, I mean, a lot of my doctors said, hey, you know, you have Hodgkin's lymphoma, you're going to be okay. This is just a speed bump in your life. But it's really hard to believe them. Um, so if there was some way that someone could time travel and tell me, you know, you're going to be, you're actually going to be okay. I would have loved to have known that. Well, that's fantastic that you're impressed with your um, hospital, especially since it's not a major cancer center. Um, mm -hmm. When your doctor was determining how to treat your Hodgkin's lymphoma, what was that process like for you? I was very unnerving, obviously, um, and it was a lot of appointments. I remember being very overwhelmed. The whole diagnosis is swirling in your head, but um, you're being whisked away from, you know, this doctor to that doctor. You're having CT scans, CAT scans, PET scans, uh, lymph node biopsies, bone marrow biopsies. It's, it's a lot. And the best thing to do, which we found, my mother and I um, found, was to write everything down. Um, so if you're writing down your appointments, you won't forget them. If you write down questions that you have, answers that you get from the doctors, it really helps organize it because it's such an overwhelming process there's a lot of nerves a lot of anxiety a lot of crying um but that certainly helps and the process itself um will be less scary i think if you're writing everything down and then once you get your final diagnosis it's almost a relief of like ah, oh, this is now what i actually have i can tell people instead of just saying generally i have cancer i have lymphoma it's nice to have the final diagnosis and just write everything down would be like a super tip. Could you get into specifics about what your treatments were and what specifically you underwent? So for my cancer, um, I was given the chemo cocktail of ABVD, which is uh, four different drugs that were put into my system during chemo. And, and you just kind of sit there for three to six hours, depending on your treatment, and get these cocktails kind of put into you. Um, and I was one of the people who was able to get a PIC line, which is like a catheter or tube that goes in your arm, um, which sounds kind of gross, but it, it made it easier because instead of stabbing me in the hand to give me my, my chemo every time, they could just insert it into this tube that's already there. And uh, you just kind of sit there for me for it was just three hours. Um, you feel very full afterwards, though, because they're inserting all these chemicals into you. I remember feeling very heavy at the end of the treatment. Um, I also would feel very lightheaded um, towards the end of my treatment, like the last couple. I would get very nauseous as well and almost feel like I was going to be sick. Did you have other um, treatment side effects? And if so, how did you manage them? I did have a lot of side effects. Um, I had the basics like uh, hair loss, my skin went gray, I lost weight, your taste buds kind of change. Um, nausea is also a pretty basic one, which I would combat by snacking on Cheerios or like flavored candies during my treatment. Um, and then some of the more serious ones that I had, um, I had really low blood levels from my chemo. Um, so I had to take Neupogen injections. Uh, I had to take 10 injections after every single chemo. So that was about 80 injections, which cost $3,000 a month because that was not covered by OHIP. Um, oh and it would cause like really bad bone pain, um, which one of my nurses afterwards said, oh yeah, if you take a Claritin with it, it takes away the bone pain, which it did, which was really awesome. Um, and then I also got neuropathy, which most people describe as like a tingling or numbing in your fingers and toes, but mine, was really bad and it was um, 
like lightening up my legs and every step was like walking on fiery shards of glass. And then I also had uh, chest pain, which I actually still have it today. I have chest and muscle pain from one of the drugs in my chemo cocktail, bleomycin, because normally people don't need it as long as I do. You take it for three or four treatments and then they take it off. But my main tumor of cancer was between my lungs and my heart. Um, so bleomycin is for that kind of area and I needed it the whole way through. Um, so it's caused a bit of chest discomfort, um, and lung pain if I exert myself too much or, um, like try to sleep on my stomach, but it's slowly getting better. And are you still on that medication right now? Um, I'm not on any medication at this time. I don't need it, but I was, uh, for the neuropathy, it took me about two years post chemo to get over that. Those are real challenges and they've continued for quite some time. What were the financial supports that you received or any guidance from the hospital or community on what to do if the medication wasn't covered by OHIP? So at my hospital, I was supposed to see a support worker who would have helped with that. But at the time when I was being treated, they had just um, lost their support worker. So it was a bit tricky for me to find someone who could help me with financial aid, but eventually I did. Um, one of the things I did was sign up for ODSP, um, which is for um, anyone who's not working. It's the Ontario Disability Support Program. Um, right. So they, they eventually started um, giving me a bit of money to help with medication and the fact that I wasn't working because I wasn't able to work during chemo. Um, I also spoke with my pharmacist at my local pharmacy and they um, they found a few different benefit programs that could assist me with some of those costs. And then also my mother started a GoFundMe for me, which we raised, I think, $10,000. So that was really great. And that certainly helped with the funding. That's fantastic. And aside from the supports that you had for the finance, um, what other supports did you receive? Um, I definitely found reaching out to other people and um, I found some other groups like there's a, a lot out there. There's um, We Braveheart, there's Wellspring, which has a, a local community for me, like an actual center where I could go to, which is where we met. Um, and they have activities and support groups, which I found super helpful. Right. Um, there's also a company called YAC, Y-A-C-C, which was uh, really great for youth people to bring them together. Um, and they have online chat and um, retreats that they do once a year. And then also the Lymphoma Leukemia Society of Canada also has an online chat, which is great to, um, to chat with other people who have the same cancer or are around your age. Because when you go to the hospital, like a lot of the cancer patients are really older people. Um, so it's nice to talk to someone your age who knows more about what you're going through as a young person. I think there is a real struggle in the community supports that are existing more for the younger adults and their challenges and their different experiences. So it's great to hear that you were able to use some of those supports. What would you say to someone who's just been diagnosed with a blood cancer? I think the more that people start talking about it, the more people will realize that there are treatments, there is help. Try not to be so scared um, to seek help from people. Um, and then my number one tip is to just remember to write everything down, have like a journal for your appointments, have a journal for your daily life, what you're eating, what you're not eating, how you're feeling emotionally, physically, um, just to give to your doctor because they are going to ask you those questions. 
What do you think cancer changed in your life? I mean, I'm, I was already kind of a adventurous person who, you know, lived life to the fullest if I could, but it made me feel that way more so. Um, and think, you know, you only live once, so you really have to enjoy this life and do what you feel you should be doing instead of, you know, working that horrible job you don't like or doing that thing you don't want to do. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing and, you know, being so candid about your experiences, your treatment and survivorship challenges. Again, we want to thank you for your time today. If our listeners have any questions about Hodgkin's lymphoma or need support to navigate their experience, I encourage you to connect with a community resource specialist near you. Please contact the Leukemia Lymphoma Society of Canada at one 833 You can also visit our website at lscanada.org. There you'll find fact sheets, booklets, and webcasts dedicated to learning more about your type of blood cancer.